Hey, Sarah. Hey, what? I want to watch a romantic comedy. <laughs> Did you just try to take a drink while you were saying that? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. If anyone orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot. And welcome to romanticcomedycommentary.com, or as Sarah likes to call it. Romcomcom.com. And this week we are talking about sideways. sideways. And wait, let me just take a second before we start this and let me... And I know mm. what you're thinking. Is that a can? Well, yeah, it is, but it's a delicious cider rosé. It's kind of like wine. Yeah, that's the closest I Except could get. Except here's the deal. <laughs> I'm allergic to wine. So there's none in and this And Justin house. drank two bottles and fell down. Yeah. When we recorded Clueless. One of, Clueless. Yeah. And, and hasn't had wine since. I've, I've, I may not have had wine since. I don't since. think you have. That is, and that was like <laughs> three years ago at least. Yeah. That, that was, was Christmas of 2008. And that was the last time I was knocked down, drag out drunk. Yeah. I haven't been since. It was that. And, and yeah. I drank two bottles during the recording. Yeah. Then and I then drank another, another bottle, bottle afterwards. 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. Oof. There was a big series of just yeah. like, I, I don't need to drink that one. I left at 1.30 like, peace out. Yeah. Like, oh, I see you guys are still ramping <laughs> things up. Yeah. I'm going to be leaving now. That was the right decision. And so <laughs> yeah. I still think I'm hungover yeah. from that. Yeah. But either way, I'm having a delicious cider rosé because this week we're traveling to the vineyards of California. California. Do you know which um, area we're actually in? I have no idea. I didn't either. <laughs> are we not in uh, California? No, we are. Okay. It's, um, let's see. Well, let me let me tell San you this. Inez. Well, let me tell you this though. I don't know the geography of California. As we established, like I didn't know mm. San Francisco had a microclimate, and I went there with shorts and a t-shirt. Oh, you? Well, how did you not know that? I don't know because I've read the coldest winter I ever had was the summer in California. California, yeah. I didn't know that, and so I was on a boat in the middle of the bay, shivering in the mm. jacket they gave me, like a jackass. In August. But then I had no idea that it was like an eight-hour drive from San Francisco to, to LA yeah. or whatever it may oh, be. Yeah. I had no. Here's the one that's really going to kill you. I always had heard about the valley. Mm-hmm. I had always heard about I, the hills of Cal. I never threaded the, all the pictures I saw were towards the water. Yeah, there's mountains. Then I finally got a picture that went the <laughs> other direction. I was like, "What the fuck is this about?" And I'd seen the the Hollywood sign. Yeah, I felt like such a dumbass rolling in there for the first time, being like, "Not Are you knowing kid-? there were mountains." Wow. That's what I'm saying. It's very so, hilly. Uh, so I don't know geography of California whatsoever. I mean, okay. when even we're Read driving. Dean Koontz novels, man. Is he, in, is he doing a oh, lot there yeah. with that? When even driving from San Francisco to, to Los Angeles, there was all this farmland. And I knew California mm. had a vibrant Huge. farm. Yeah, uh, the Dust Bowl. Uh, all the people left Oklahoma. I had no, And we're just driving along. You like, haven't this read. Looks... You, first of all, you got to read. Dean Koontz. Dean Koontz. <laughs> Because that'll give you like the geography. Okay. And then you got to read um, John uh, Grisham. No. <laughs> the Grapes of Wrath. What the hell is his name? Oh my God. This is killing me. Uh, fudge. What is his name? Steinbeck. Steinbeck. 
God damn it. <laughs> and the, the families that leave the Dust Bowl and go out to California to make their way. But, but see, it. I knew I knew all of these things existed. Mm. Hollywood Hills, the, mm. the cliffs of whatever, and the farm. The cliffs I, of whatever. I don't know. There's like you drive along the, the, the Pacific Coast Highway and there's just cliffs. I imagine there's one that has a name at some point. <laughs> yeah. There has to be a cliff. Okay. <laughs> the cliffs of Dover. <laughs> yeah. That's the cliffs of Dover, California. <laughs> that could be a thing. My point is, I know all of these things existed. Yeah. But in my head, I've never tried establishing where um, things were like at. Or so, farmland. Exactly. So as it all kind of comes together. So even now, mm. as you're telling me like, oh, it's this well, part did of you California. learn from Paul Giamatti about the cool breezes that come in off the Pacific? We're going to get into a lot of what Justin knows about wine here. Okay. Uh, I didn't actually learn a ton from him in this because Sarah in college I took the wine, wine class. class I took yeah. the wine tasting class mm. let's get into that later though tell okay. me about the geography now where does this take place actually well it's still in wine country or what yeah we... in wine country but Napa Valley is considered the huge wine country you it's know. the Aspen Colorado <laughs> of wine yeah so to speak and there's good skiing all over Colorado but Aspen you know yeah that's the the real deal I typed in wine country just to try and pull up something apparently there's mm-hmm. a 2019 movie called wine country mm. and it looks like oh Maya Rudolph's in it oh my god there's actually quite a few very yeah, funny women in this, this never mind I remember that Oh, I was going to make fun of this, but no, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Rachel yeah. Dratt, Anna Gosmar. Never mind. This movie looks great. Let's go back. <laughs> Can't make fun of that. Um, apparently, it's the San Ynez Valley. Okay. Which experienced a huge bump in tourism after this movie because mm. all of those restaurants are real. The Hitching Post is a real place. I never thought about Los that. Los Olivos is a real place. Yeah. Um, and they uh, really, really hurt Merlot and really upped everyone's desire for Pinot Noir, like 20% in the sales bump. This had even extended as far as England, affecting like the English wine because everybody wanted Pinot Noir. That's insane. Yeah. I remember around the time of this movie, I don't think he, he doesn't say it in this movie, but around the time of this movie, my buddy Jared was starting to get into wine. <sighs> and for a while, he just kept saying Merlot is such a slut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% where it came from, but anytime we'd be out and smoke over Merlot, I'd be like, Ugh, Merlot is <sighs> such a slut. I always think Merlot, steak. It's like red meat and Merlot. It seems very like... Um, Elvira, goddess of the night, like vampires drink Merlot. <laughs> That's what I know about Merlot. <laughs> I know nothing about what goes with anything. And mind you, I took an entire semester long course what? in it. Yeah. I'm allergic to wine and, you and know haven't more about had wine. it since I was 16. And I assure you, you know more about And I know that wine white wine goes with fish. I know that. I know white, white meat, white wine, red yeah. meat, red, red wine. Yeah. That's about all I know, though. That's about it for me, too. I Like, if someone says, oh, do you want a nice cab? I'm like, yes. <laughs> do you like a Pinot? I guess. Mm-hmm. And I know... But there's Pinot Gris and there's Pinot Noir. I will tell you that for Justin, 30 Rock gave a 20% bump to Pinot Grigio. Why? Because Liz Lemon would always say, I'll have a Pinot Grigio. She just oh. had a real way of saying... Well, it's funny because Pinot Noir makes me think of... Kimmy Schmidt, which is another Tina Fey thing when 
Uh, Titus Bridges sings Pinot Noir. <laughs> and it's all about his black wiener. It's such a funny video. Have you I, never seen that? I am entirely oh unaware God. of what you're talking about. He, play, he does a whole song about Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. Dun, 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 bim, and everything rhymes with Pinot Noir. Oh my gosh. I think Tina Fey just has a thing for Pinots. Yeah, and night cheese. And night cheese? I, I always sing, working on my night cheese. Because she's wearing a Snuggie, <laughs> eating night cheese. And then Alex Baldwin knocks on her door and, and she she doesn't say anything. He's like, I know you're in there. I heard you singing night cheese. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh, I just took a taste of this rosé. It's very sweet. Man, I just had flashbacks it's to recording flowers. No, oh. I, I just oh, mean, really? I it reminds you of wine? It reminds me enough of wine that I'm like, uh, oh, no, I'm not ready for uh, this. And that was years ago. Yeah. Maybe it's just reds. I drank all reds. Maybe if I switch to a white, mm. like a nice Zin. Mm. Maybe next wedding I go to, maybe I'll turn, oh, maybe I'll be the white wine guy at a wedding, which isn't really I a hope thing, so. but white I'll make it drunk. a thing. White wine drunk with your fancy suit on. And my big glasses I'm going to yes. order. Oh, I'm getting the biggest glasses <laughs> to go to the next wedding. I hope that the wedding, the last wedding that we all went to had yeah. a um, Snapchat filter specific to the wedding. Wait, it did? Oh, yeah, because I videoed you a lot. Did I? Wait, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that this way they had a set. Yeah, it was two What's weddings it? ago, actually. Oh, okay. wait, who's yeah. Scott and Heidi? Oh, you know what? I did know about that one. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And I and it said the this night belongs to and I wrote Justin. He never <laughs> stops talking, and you're just like gesturing across the table, talking, <laughs> like, yep, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. And um, I really hope this one does, but I bet it won't. I bet it'll just be like rural Ohio. Saturday. You know, that's what you kind of get if you ever look at the Snapchat filter. I really, we should talk him into getting a Snapchat filter. I that could would probably be, talk her into you it. You should absolutely talk her into it. It's fun. Maybe you should tell people if they haven't seen this movie what actually goes on in this movie a little bit because we're talking a lot about wine. <clears throat> I'm assuming most people have at least heard of Sideways, yeah. but. Well, it comes from a book by uh, Roy Pick- Rex Pickett. Rex Pickett. And they don't describe it in the movie, but apparently in the book they use sideways for intoxicated. Like, I'm getting really sideways. There's tonight. a country song. Yeah. That is going to get a little bit of sideways. And it's very, like, you know, I think people just assume that because of the it's title. It's a really good word to use, yeah. too, for it. I do say, I have regularly say to people, like, you want to get a little bit of sideways? Like, mm-hmm. it does work really well. Yeah. Yeah. Sideways. Drunk as a monkey. I like it. Drunk as a monkey. Yeah. That's fun. I like that. You know monkeys steal drinks and get real drunk from tourists' drinks. I was unaware of this. Oh, God. They're sneaky. Monkey drunk? Yeah. Oh, my God. Monkey drunk. It's where you steal drinks and don't. you don't want anyone to know you're getting drunk. All right. Monkey but drunk. Drunk as a monkey. Yeah. You know, because you stole a bunch of tourist drinks and <laughs> fell over out of a tree. Anyway, this movie... Paul Giamatti is a middle school English teacher who is writing a novel. He is divorced. He is still in love with his ex. He is obsessed with wine. It is like his whole life. He is taking his uh, friend, his roommate from college, who is his friend, but they don't seem particularly close, 
on a week-long bachelor party to the wine country in the summertime. And in the process, they stop on their way north to visit his mom, and he steals a bunch of money. And then they go up north to the San Ynez Valley and all his favorite haunts. And the first night they're there, they go to the hitching post, and one of the waitresses... His friend Jack, Thomas Hayden Church, plays Jack, immediately spots this waitress, played by Virginia Madsen, Maya, and is like, she's super hot. And it's, I think, obvious to us, at least, that she seems to be kind of into Miles, Paul Giamatti's character. Mm. And he's like, no, she's married, whatever. But Jack has his own plans, and he is ready to throw down and he said my gift to you for being my best man is that i'm gonna get you laid this weekend and it's like he doesn't want that he's not interested in that he has too much anxiety and depression to do any of that but that's his deal so the next night or the next day they go wine tasting and they meet a poor girl a girl who pours wine at a winery and jack wait is, is that the name of that yeah, occupation okay yeah. and um Jack talks to her, finds out that she knows Maya, and is like, perfect, we're going to set up a double date. I think that's that night. That night they go out. um, Because Maya is not working that day. So they all go out to dinner. That's when Paul Giamatti yells about the fucking Merlot. And he's like, don't go to the dark side, man. Don't do it. He's trying to give him a pep talk before the dinner. Like, you can't go dark. You got to be the fun, cool guy who, you know, remember that guy? He's a great guy. And, you know, he drinks his way through dinner. He gets very drunk. Drunk dials his ex from the restaurant. Eesh. But they end up going back to Maya's house. Or no, they end up going back to Sandra O's house, who's Stephanie, the girl who's the poor girl. Mm. And um, Sandra O and Jack immediately go and like start hooking up in her bedroom. And they leave Maya and Miles to sit in the back and talk about wine. And he has this really, I think it's the best part of the whole movie when he starts to talk about why he loves Pinot Noir so much. Mm. And it's really an investigation of who he is. He's basically telling her who he is. Mm. And then she tells him why she loves wine. And it's like, it's so fucking obvious that these two are perfect for each other. And we find out that she is divorced now and she's doing this, but she's actually getting a PhD in horticulture because she's actually really interested in wine and grapes and wants to own her own vineyard, which is like huge for him. That's what he wants. But he bungles it. He doesn't end up kissing her Uh, or kind of, then he gets out of the car and has a really awkward kiss when they're, he's driving, they're both driving separate cars home. No, he tries to kiss her before they drive. Yeah. It doesn't go well. No. And, but I thought he tried to kiss her out of the car. That's where he gives her the manuscript. That's right. He has his huge fucking manuscript for his novel. He's like, here's the other box. And, and it's funny because she had thought it was getting published because of course Jack told everyone that he was getting this novel published, which of course he isn't. And then they go on their separate ways. Jack basically goes on a huge bender with Stephanie, Sandra L. And it's brutal because he's totally head over heels for her, but she has a kid 
that he's totally and immediately involved with. And it's like, ugh. And Paul Giamatti, like, plays golf by himself, goes and grades papers in the hot tub, like, hangs out, walks to the hitching post and gets real drunk by himself because she, he thinks Maya's working that night, and it turns out she's not, so he just gets wasted for no reason and walks home along the side of a highway. Um, then, finally, Sandra O oh finds out that Jack is actually getting married that Saturday, she loses her shit. She comes in on her motorcycle and beats the shit out of him with her motorcycle helmet and drives away. Um, Paul Giamatti's still seeing Maya. They go on a date through like the wine country. And then he's like, yeah, I'm not. Oh, I'm busy Saturday for the wedding. And she's like, what wedding? He's like, oh, shit. And he does tell her the truth. She loses it. She's so mad. Leaves him. Um, he goes back to the hotel they fight go out to dinner that night he is totally jack's like trying to hook up with a waitress who's this larger woman who's just enamored with him because she recognized him from some commercial and he because he's insane decides he's going to hook up with her when she gets off her shift so he stays at the restaurant and paul giamatti has to go home alone again and he hooks up with this woman at her house. She's married. Her husband comes home at 5 a.m. and beats the shit out of him. He has to run out of the door naked and walk all the way home and arrives back at their hotel at like 5 in the morning or 4 in the morning naked. Realizes he's left his wallet at their house and it has the wedding rings in it. And they have to sneak into and this is one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie has to sneak into her house to get the wedding rings back because they're engraved in greek and it's very specific you can't just replace the rings so paul giamatti somehow is convinced to sneak into this guy's house to steal the rings ends up this guy is actively having sex with his wife jumps out and runs after him fully naked and like presses his big naked body against the car as they're driving away. And then Jack has to explain why he has like a really broken nose from Sandra O beating the shit out of him. So he offers to drive and then drives Paul Giamatti's car into a tree and ruins the car. But they can still drive it home. But that explains his nose. Oh, it's such a mess. And then they go to the wedding. Uh, Miles, Paul Giamatti, leaves and gets his really fancy bottle of wine and drinks it out of a styrofoam cup at a fast food restaurant. That's after he found out that his ex-wife is pregnant and was at the wedding. We didn't know she was pregnant yet. No, he found out at the wedding. Oh, no, you're... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting my order of And then he's like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to drink this really fancy 1961 bottle of wine because I need it. And when he gets home, he has a voicemail. I from... took that a different way, but we'll we'll yeah we'll okay. get there. He has a voicemail from Maya, who said that she read his whole fucking manuscript. Two she did boxes. it. Two boxes worth. Which, I mean, kudos. That's a commitment. And um, and she's like, I really liked it, you know, and and it really made me think. And he kind of realizes like this is the girl for me like this is this is it she's it and he drives up to her house and she's in the house and and it kind of ends with him like kissing her like being like it's like this is it kind of 
I think it's where I'm at in my life right now. I I like those endings in these movies more mm-hmm. rather than telling me exactly what happened because I guess I'm in this um yeah this zone of my life where I'm like I want to believe <clears throat> yes that ha- I want to imagine what happens from here because my imagination is better yeah. and will make it happier than what you tell me and I need that right well, now. Well, they changed the ending. Oh oh yeah from the, from book? the book. Oh gosh, don't break my heart. In the book, she shows up at the wedding and declares that his <gasps> manuscript made her change all of her thoughts about him. And they're like meant to be together. It's it, like a very Hollywood ending in the book. I wonder why they changed it. Because it was too cheesy. Because Alexander Payne is a better writer than that. Not, I'm not saying she, she comes in and interrupts the wedding like really big. This is, I'm going to project real quick Mm -hmm. onto the character, but I wouldn't have hated it as say, as he was having that uncomfortable conversation with his ex-wife and he was clear, by the way, some of the best acting I've seen in my entire life. That Mm. scene, the layers of emotion that I know that to me, because I've been in like similar situations, Mm -hmm. the layers of emotion that that guy fucking nailed to where you're like. You, you're the bottom has dropped out from beneath you. You are treading water, but you're trying to make it look like you're happy for them because you know mm. you are on some level and you're trying. Oh my god, how he didn't get an Oscar for that baffles me. No, he wasn't but even nominated. He wasn't, which is nuts. Yeah. But I wouldn't have hated it. You know, say it like that moment. Maybe, maybe she swept in and she, well, that would have actually taken away from the moment. No, you're kind of right. Yeah, you're right. You're kind of, yeah. It's cheesy. And that just diminishes her too. To be like, I read you manuscript. It's like fangirl. Yeah. Well, okay. So then in, in the way that they did kind of end it. So I, I personally think him saying to hell with this wedding reception, I'm a hundred percent on board with that shit. No, oh, how absolutely. he just pieced the fuck just out. Leave. Like, yeah, like there's no. Nobody, you don't owe them anything. Yeah, there's Especially no. After the shit he put you through for a week. It's not even just. Yeah, yes. I more just mean like I'm going to a wedding reception where my ex-wife, I'm a woman, I'm still in love with, just told me she's having mm-hmm. a kid after clearly getting over me very quickly. What's the upside other than oh, cool? So I'm going to put myself for three hours of hell right. to keep up appearances. Right. But the way I took. I, the the way I took him, and you're better at interpretation and all this, mm. but I'm gonna try. Sure. The way I took him drinking that bottle was it wasn't necessarily sad because she said to him earlier in the movie, like, "What are you waiting for?" And he's like, "I don't know, like a special occasion, mm-hmm. something something of that effect." She's like, "Opening that bottle is the special occasion." So what I took it as was that that moment with her kind of like broke him from this like old world he was living in. Like he could get yeah. back to this kind of happy state that he was in and that he almost had to like no every now has to be the good moment like every Hmm. moment has to take it now get what you want now that will make you happy you can't wait for this thing that's never coming kind of like desultory about how he was drinking it like that's a good ten dollar word he was just kind of like hiding it in a styrofoam cup like i wanted him to really fucking enjoy it yeah like I agree. That's a great time to drink it. But like. You're saying the way they set the scene made it seem clearly like sad. Not necessarily sad, but almost like shameful in a way. Like I'm drinking this 
under the radar, hidden in a styrofoam cup as quickly as I can. I, I don't think he was drinking it quickly though. When he took the drink, he was it, the camera came in and he was savoring it. I, I think but then it was he just like that poured he it happened. under the table. Well, but that's the setting you're in. He's eating a mm. burger. I, I I still take it to me. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I still take it to mean like. But it definitely, he was enjoying that the was yeah. a change for him. That was the mark between who he was and who he's going to be. Because I'll say with this whole movie, the arc that he goes through in it, I did that dude in the beginning, even the beginning of the movie he's as a, a whole, like I did not want to continue. It, it, you feel uneasy the beginning oh, yeah. of the movie. And yeah. by the end as a view, and again, maybe I'm putting too much of my emotions <laughs> on this as we'll get into, but, uh, I, I felt as it the movie went on like I was opening up the movie was opening up yeah. it became kind of more free more open less bitching becoming like a, a cool guy like your your opening said or you know like a guy yeah. he used to be maybe I, or could be I don't know by the maybe end it was I, just that they were in a different location and he was away from his shitty apartment so do you think that they stayed together yeah I think so I think he turned the corner I don't know. I I know Alexander Payne read this, the director, mm. um, and he said he wanted he read it when he was on a plane on the way home from Edinburgh, and read the entire thing, and got off the plane and called to get the rights to the movie right away. And he was like, "Cause it's so fucking sad. <laughs> cause cause that guy is so fucking sad." And it's like, yeah. I mean, he is, absolutely. And apparently when Paul Giamatti was asked to be in this role, he thought it was a joke. He was like, he had just done American Splendor, and he was like, really? Oh, man, American Splendor is rough to watch, too. I mean, it's good, but And he's like, he doesn't know anything about wine. No idea what he's talking about. All of that was made up, which just shows what a great fucking actor he is. But he didn't think that they were being serious. Like, why would you want me in this role? But it was a perfect role. And Thomas Hayden Church and um, Virginia Madsen, that is, they were their breakout performances. And they are still the only time either of them has been nominated for an Oscar. Well, Thomas Hayden Church, it was his breakout probably movie role. But yeah. his his. He had TV cred, 123 episodes of Wings. Yeah. Don't forget. But then he'd moved on to voice work, just like his character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did mention yeah, that. Yeah, he was I mean, done with TV. I wondered, with this movie getting a wine bump, though, mm-hmm. I don't think this movie makes wine look all that awesome Are you to fucking me. serious? I mean, Paul Giamatti comes across as like kind of shitty Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Okay. I wanted to get in there. Really? I wanted to Walk smell the strawberries <laughs> and taste the slight nuttiness. The earthy undertones? Yeah, the slight Edam cheese. Oh, my Lord. I definitely wanted to. Well, I was like, and I thought it made the wine the country just me. look kind of run down too, where they were well, stopping at these the places. Super fancy and... Shit, that's what what I took from it was that renegade. It's wine? not no, not not that it's not not fancy, but that wine can be produced and really good wine can be produced anywhere. As long as the people know what they're doing. And it reminded me very much of Northern Michigan. The transient people who work there and live there 
all of the hills and, and like the sandy soil. Like in Michigan, there are tons of wineries too for the same reason. It's very sandy soil. It gets a lot of cool air off of Lake Michigan. It's, you know, just the right place for a lot of these grapes. And like Madonna has a winery there. And there are like 15 to 20 wineries just on this small peninsula. Um, and all the people who work the wineries are very Sandra O-ish. And it's like they work there in the summer, they go somewhere else in the winter, or they whatever are between degrees, or they're, you know, living in these weird houses that look just like that with these country roads. It's very rural, but it has tons of money, and it doesn't look like it has tons of money. But you can get these amazing wines in these places without it looking really frou-frou. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I guess I guess what I'm seeing, like even the the tasting things that they're stopping into and all that, I guess I was just expecting it to look a little more. I don't know. I don't know what I was exactly expecting. Well, the place it, where I, he had a freak it, it, out it, it was get, a shitty winery. It didn't get me super. Frass. Frass. Frass means insect poop in real life. So that's why he got especially mad. And then he drank the, oh God, he drank the swill. Do you remember that when they wouldn't give him the wine, he wouldn't give him the glass, and so he just picked up the whole bucket where they had been, sh- like putting off the their- spit cup. Oh, and he poured that over his face. I Blah. I made a note that I'm surprised that I haven't had a similar Blah. breakdown. Not necessarily drinking the swill, whatever, but a breakdown <laughs> of where a bartender refuses to serve me, and I and just grab the, grab the bottle or something. I haven't well, done it. Fine, grabbing the bottle. I'm saying this is truly I'm surpri- disgusting. It is, it is because it's the like. Ugh. The swill, the dregs. It's everybody's spit. And why that guy would not just get... This guy is clearly hurting and you are a bartender. Well, you know... No, Sarah. You can't... Paul like, Giamatti. Number Paul one. Paul Giamatti You can't just be giving out alcohol. Hurting. It is... He said I'll pay for it. He made it as clear as true. possible. He did say I'll pay for it. But once you get kind of like aggressive towards a bartender, they're not going to be like, sure... Here's more booze. This is going to make it better. There was pain in Paul Giamatti's <laughs> eyes. I'm telling you. I have the, I, I have had that look. I will have that look. I've seen that look. And as a bartender. I wish Corey was here. My friend Corey it has been a bartender in northern Michigan in oh, this area, yes, this which is be... very much, very similar yeah. in feel. And like he would say, is very interesting in this dichotomy between very, very rich people and very transient working people and as a bartender you see all kinds of that shit and Corey would just shut people down it was like really oh god he'd kick people out faster than anybody for just being too drunk or just general fool yeah or asshole or not listening when he said don't do that or set that down or whatever like i remember on my 21st birthday we went to the bar where he worked and i had been drinking all summer Nonstop day. Yeah. Day begins. Because Corey was like, cool, we're cool. Cool, Corey. (laughs) All right, we're cool. And then on my birthday, we came in as a whole group, you know, kind of already rowdy. And he's like, oh, happy birthday. How old are you? And without thinking, I said, 21. And he looked at me like, you fucker. Like, he was like, God damn it. Fuck you. (laughs) And I'm like, whoopsie. Like, I was like, oh, no. So just this year, I told him that story. I was like, do you remember that? He's like, not really. 
And I said, yeah. And you looked at me like, you idiot. I'm so pissed at you. And he said, you're lucky that I didn't kick you out because I used to do that all the time. I would find out. I would shut down a whole birthday party. Like he's like, if I found out that they had been drinking illegally earlier, I would fucking kick them out the second that I found out. Like your whole group is out of here now. I don't give a shit. And I'd seen him do it too. I've seen him like, you're out of here. Like just out. So I was really lucky. (laughs) Where he's like, I must have liked you because I can't believe I didn't kick you out. I'm like, no, you're, you just looked mad. (laughs) And it's like bartenders don't fuck around, especially in those places where people drink all the time and drink all day. And like you get a whole group coming in from the yacht club or from the winery tour. And you're like, God damn it. Get your shit together and don't fuck with me. Paul Giamatti walking home from that bar too. You oh, tell the bartender the like, yeah. I was so afraid they were going to get clipped. This movie had like them walking down the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, These are such great scenes. Well, and for whatever reason, it I could feel like, I don't know if it's just the way it was shot. I don't know if it's just I've had these moments. Them walking down, specifically down that, it, it, it wasn't a sidewalk. But it was like delineated as a place to walk. Like a shoulder. Marking. Yeah, a shoulder. Yeah. Like I could feel the wind mm. as cars going by. Like there, yeah. and there were so many moments in this movie. It, it had to just be out with shots. And you just feel kind I, of a little bit chilly. Because yeah, you know, yeah. even wearing a long sleeve shirt, that whew, those it, cars going by. And it by. was the whole movie was just like that. And just yeah. you could you could put yourself right yeah. in that moment t- from a, a, tact- really in a tactile job. way. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I lo- and even him getting like... Kicked or not kicked out of the bar, him leaving the bar at close, yeah. bartender checking on him, stumbling away. Like, I've done that stumble. Yeah. I told the bartender I'm fine <laughs> when I'm absolutely not oh, fine. It's amazing he got home. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Ugh. In that shitty place they stayed that was like weirdly German, like beer house. Well, that was that's another thing, too. Like, when they walk in to that shitty hotel room, mm-hmm. it took me to the feeling of walking into with buddies a really shitty hotel room because mm-hmm. you know you're not going to stay there and there's an energy and there's a staleness to the yeah. air. And it's like <laughs> again, I, you could, I could almost feel the sheets on the bed being yeah. overly stiff. And I mean, it's you could... <laughs> The sandpaper sheet. The same. I mean, it, re, it, it. This movie did a great job of putting mm-hmm. you like absolutely right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess when they were watching like the MTV Girls Gone Wild Spring Break shit, mm. MTV, it was all like '90s stuff, which I think Brian said that too. He said it feels like this movie could be at any time. There's no real specific era. Yeah. That this movie necessarily was in, because. MTV wouldn't give them recent footage. They'd only give them footage from the 90s. So everything is like tube tops and and uh, neon bright like green colors. And it somehow worked. And like their old cell phones too. Like it all seems a little bit like anachronistic. And... The only thing that threw me off was what are is the, what fabric is there? Are there shirts made out of? Who's it's shirts? Like. Every guy in this movie, it's that weird... That waffle knit? No, no, where it's like, the way it moves, I can only describe it as an uncanny valley of fabric. It's clearly synthetic, like a... like Oh, like kind of like the bowling shirt? Yeah! That's a waffle knit. I yeah. don't care It's like for, a synthetic waffle I knit. I did not care for that. <laughs> I could... It's, it, it felt... That's has, the, it has a little bit of depth. 
Yeah. And it's definitely synthetic. That's the only part yeah. that I get what you're saying where it, it, it had a timeless quality ish to it. Mm-hmm. But that's the only part where I was like, man, and this the pleated khakis. Yes. Fucking yes. khakis. God damn it. Oh, I had pleated. <laughs> I thought I was hot shit when I found out what pleated khakis were. I was like, I would like a pair of those. I need these, please. I would like a pair of pleated khakis. Very. Your flat front chinos are never going to go out of style. If I you do just have a nice stick pair of with flat a front nice chinos, yeah. flat front chino. You're not going to go wrong. Your classics. Yeah. White collared shirt, man. So I took the wine class at Dayton. <clears throat> and, oh, yes. And, and what? How ha- big was the? How'd you get into it? Because it was quite a. I got on a waiting list. Yeah. You had to get on a waiting list. And the class was seriously like 70 people. I mean, it was in huge. the class itself. Yeah, it oh, was huge, and wow. so it would be. Where was it? Uh, Art Street. There was just a bit, a, a kind of not a classroom, but like the, an amphitheater. No, like a multi-purpose room that they could turn into like a larger classroom. Okay. And the the teacher would do what it was is you would go for I forget how many like six or seven weeks or something. It was technically a mini course, mm-hmm. and you would go to this you know, the room and you'd hear them talk. And, everyone and had to be 21. Everyone had to be 21 and you'd get, you had to get the wine for dummies book and read that. There were, I don't think there were no tests or anything like that. And you didn't get, I don't believe you got wine in the classes, but then you may, maybe one class or something. But then at the end, the big thing was that there was a, they'd get the, so you, what do you do during the class? You talked about wine regions and wines. Uh. And he would give you, uh, wines that you should go try and that's why you could tell whenever someone was taking the wine class at UD because there would be like three or four very specific bottles of wine <laughs> or if you went to Arrow Wine and Liquor <laughs> you'd see the same everyone would be clustered around the same things because that's what the teacher told them to get oh my god it, it was insufferable I bet Arrow was like it. god damn this UD class no I think he actually would send the list to Arrow so they'd be so ready. they would know that makes sense yeah he had like a relationship with them because then they would give him the good wine that they could get it's really strange to me because i grew up in oakwood mm-hmm. arrow wine was just where you went mm-hmm. for booze because mm-hmm. in ohio you have to buy booze from a liquor store so i would end up inevitably going to arrow wine usually around christmas time buying gifts for people buying beer buying liquor and to find out that every fucking ud student went to arrow wine for their booze and then i did too it was like oh I guess this is where all the UD students. It was just a weird thing because it's like I've been going to this store since I was six years old. I mean, it was strictly pro. It was that and something. I don't even know if it was called the party store or if people just called it the party store. The one down in Cincy. No, there was one that at least a friend called a party store that had to be like a half a mile party from UD. Store. It was in a weird little strip. I can picture it, but if you held a gun to my head, not I could the pony not- keg. Oh. The Patterson Pony Cake? Oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I think it might have been the Patterson. Was it like... Little? two, But like two sides of a... One side was the liquor and one side was the wine, maybe? It was it's, It was on a corner and it was kind of a narrow building? Kind of, maybe? Hmm. Either way, that may have been it, but my friends only called it the party store. Maybe. Patterson no, it wasn't Pony Patterson cake? Pony Cake. No, oh, I'm looking okay. at a picture of it. No. Hmm. No, no, no. God, no. I love that store. The... Belmont party store. Oh, Belmont. You went to Belmont? I think That's maybe. not super safe. Oh, then yes, this was definitely it. <laughs> <laughs> East Dayton. Yes, then that was uh, definitely where we went. Yeah. I had a friend that for whatever reason loved going to the Belmont party uh, store. I mean, Belmont is classic, but it's not a place to fuck around with. No. Especially after dark. Oh, no, we went very much during the day. Yeah. Okay. 
Belmont's where my stepdad grew up. I mean, okay. not far from Belmont. That's that's East Dayton. That's like, you know, it used to be like there was a Catholic church on every corner. You know, there's there's still a lot of Catholic churches in that area, and it was a very working class neighborhood. And then it really got pretty bad. And yeah, you usually don't go to Belmont as a UD student. We went during the day. Go to okay. Oakwood. Go to nice. Well, we, clean that's, we went to we went to Arrow. Arrow wine. But either way, so I was taking this wine class, and the big thing was at the end of the wine class, mm-hmm. there he would get the university chef, and they would plan a big meal, and he would bring mm-hmm. wines from like to where. What do you mean to where? Where did you have? Oh, this the, uh, they had it in um, uh, the student union center and like one like a dining room that I never even knew existed. Oh, upstairs, like the nice, like yeah, the, like the oh, nice like one. The faculty dining. Not, room? I think it was the faculty yeah. one. It wasn't like the president's one on the tip top because I did have a a, a meal there. Mm-hmm. It was bigger than that. The one on the ground floor when you come in by like Miriam Hall. No, it was one. It was on. It was up another floor or something. Maybe it was one I'd never been in. Hmm. I can tell you that. It, either way, had it there, and he had it all, you know, and he'd have the chef make tuna, you know, tuna. It was seriously a fucking very serious meal. I mean, if hmm. you would have, even now, if you go to get this meal with the wines, it would probably be a couple hundred dollar plate. Wow. I mean, like, or a, not a plate, but for the whole thing. There were right. like five, six courses and wine tastings. And hmm. at the end, he made sure he had wines from everybody's year of birth he would give you and all of this. Yeah. And, he, and so this is when my sister and I were still friendly. Her and my brother-in-law were in town that weekend, and she had had this professor. So I emailed him and said, hey, can my sister and my brother-in-law come? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, let me see if I can get the numbers to work. And he said, okay, they can come. Here's where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. That The day it fell on was a Saturday. It was yeah. the first nice Saturday of spring. Oh, no. And it was supposed to be like 70 people. And a good friend of ours, Elliot, was in this class with me. Oh, no. And another friend, Kelly. Kelly showed up. For the first half, already drunk and left because she was too drunk halfway through. And easily, two-thirds of the class did not show up. Oh, no. But but we showed up, and my sister and my brother-in-law and I and the people that did. And so as opposed to these tastings. Oh, you got the big one. He just said, honestly, we have more food than you guys will be able to eat. So he was bringing (laughs) us around like these pieces of (laughs) giant pieces of raw tuna (laughs) and literally wines that he was like just. Because students got too drunk. Because students got too drunk. And he he just said, you know, he'd come out and be like, just so you guys know, this is a $150 bottle of wine. It's from my own whatever. Do you want to have two glasses? And he was just going around pouring every, wow. and we got half and had a great time. And so that's the story, Sarah, Aww. of when Justin should have learned the lesson that if you don't drink, sometimes things are even better later yeah. on. And I didn't take that lesson with me further, but I did Aww. that day. So You're smart. Yeah. See, I would have because I'm a terrible day drinker. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be tempted to drink during the day because it's just, it never works out well for me. It was my senior year, too, and that's when I was, like, going after it. So yeah. I'm really confused on how I did it. I think it was, like, a, um, I felt obligated. Like, I had an obligation. And, you know. Well, and I always took, like, courses really se- If I paid for it or my parents were helping pay yeah. for it, I took it really seriously. Like, I didn't. I did not skip class. Yeah. I, I mean, they, never. I, I can count on one hand, seriously, how many that's classes how I, I missed. Too. Yeah, because I just mm-hmm. felt like. I don't know. It felt like that's my job, you know, take it yeah. seriously. But, uh, you know, so it worked. But it was a fun class. It was, yeah. but I did not, though, because he didn't test you. I learned fucking nothing about him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hate to say it. What was his name? Tom. I forget, but he's passed. Tom. No, but he's passed away. He was in the business school. Hmm. He was always really nice. Huh. He, he liked me, too. Oh. 
Oh, you're enthusiastic. Well, I was a tour guide too. So I'd always, he'd, he kind of wreck So he'd always tell me to bring my classes, my tour guide, my tours through his classroom. Mm. So I'd walk my tours through the business school (laughs) and I'd see his classroom and I'd be like, Hey guys, follow me in. And I'd bring in a bunch of hot sheepish high schoolers (laughs) into a room where they didn't want to be with people I knew. Mm -hmm. And especially my friend Patty who hated being called out on stuff. And I'd always bring them in, call them out and be like, Hey Patty, why don't you ask her, answer a question real quick. Uh, Why don't you ask a question? (laughs) And I love loved it because everyone hated it and i just mm. fed off of that awkward energy no, i remember you being like hey rainy from like i don't know 30 yards away and me being like mm. i love that job so much if i could do it <laughs> if i could do it now i would absolutely do it now i it you was you feed off of that oh it was the best all right so here's a question though okay. yes miles paul giamatti yes <clears throat> is he an alcoholic because I didn't necessarily consider him an alcoholic. I mean, he definitely uses it as a coping mechanism, but <laughs> but he doesn't. But he, he like he didn't show if he. I'd say if he was an alcoholic, he would have probably shown up to the wedding drunk, knowing that he was heading into a bad situation. Maybe, maybe. But Roger Ebert just immediately identified him as such. Really, I'd say it was a, like in his review. It was like. Miles is an alcoholic who uses alcohol to deal with his problems. I'm like, oh, is it that obvious? Is it that cut and dry? And like, he even named his book The Day After Yesterday, which as any alcoholic knows, is how you describe today. Oh, wait, is that seriously a saying that they use to... I don't know, but it sure seems like it, right? Doesn't it feel like that? Usually if you're like hung over from the night before, it's like, this is just the day after yesterday. Okay. You know, and he's like <sighs> late to pick up Thomas Hayden Church because he's hung went over. to a wine tasting yeah. the night before. And the first thing I get to his mom's house, get some wine and, you know, they go to the hitching post right when they get to hmm. the hotel. He drinks wine throughout the time. It's hard to tell because they're at a bachelor weekend week week who has a week-long bachelor party by the way and also he's a terrible fucking golfer oh my god his golf swing (laughs) he's so bad and then the guys who hit into him that was funny and he loses thomas hayden church starts running at them with his golf club this is gonna be fun yeah and the guy uh rex pickett who wrote the book he's the one who actually hits the shot that goes back toward the golfers because he said that there's no way that paul giamatti with the way he swung could have made it <laughs> but he purposefully was bad in the movie but i don't think he plays golf either it was funny to to see that you know now that you're i, I guess i just assumed it was a guy that liked wine and well, it was a situational here's thing. some more information yeah. You know, know. he's terrible at late night decisions, which involve making decisions and interacting with people. And that's the time when he's usually very intoxicated. And, you know, Jack is even like, get your shit together. Don't get super drunk at dinner. Let's get this going. Because by the end of the night, he can't function, basically in a way that would make him be able to like make real human connections. And is it his fear or is it how drunk he is that keeps him from, you know, connecting or kissing Maya? I don't know. 
but Ebert was fully confident in saying he was an alcoholic. And I was like, am I agreeing with that? I don't know. You know, I, or yeah. is he just like a real wine lover? But then he gets really drunk at the hitching post by himself while he's waiting for Maya. And that felt very, I'm an alcoholic. Man, and now we're, yeah, and are you just, I guess when you say alcoholic, <laughs> I'd say my definition of alcoholic floats an awful lot to make sure I have never fallen <laughs> into it at any point. Yeah. But, you know, it, I guess if you think about it as someone that, uses it regularly as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. like yeah like or can't it, it's, function because of well that's it. yeah yeah, yeah. Re- like always goes to that as the mm-hmm. way to do because you're right in this movie anything gets bad in happens in the way of the things he's trying to do i don't know that i'd call him an alcoholic i feel like that's hard i'd say he may have a he not may have. Why am I being polite? This is mm. a fi- this is a fictitious character. <laughs> How he dare a, you? He has a drinking problem. I would a hundred percent. This guy has a drink. Wasn't that fucking alcohol? I feel like to call someone an alcoholic is like a, a step. Drinking fu- problem. I, I feel like it's a step further, though. I feel you like you can have drink- multiple kinds of drinking problems. I think I think to say alcoholic <laughs> is a step further than drinking problem. I think they're two different things. I think <laughs> yes, we're talking about degrees here. I... Because, I mean... It's like saying eating disorder. There are all different kinds of eating disorders. Some are more debilitating and some are less. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that at some point, I'm sure I had a little bit of a drinking problem. But I wouldn't call myself... (laughs) He doesn't have alcoholism. He has an alcohol disorder. I just... Because when I think... When I think if someone's like an alcoholic, to me, I, I conceptualize that as their entire life has fallen apart because of this this thing that has them under thumb. And Maybe. I don't see that as what or he is. that could is. be the rock bottom of the alcoholism. Well, in, in, yeah, I guess we're getting into the, the weeds of a definition now. I will go so far as to say he has a drinking problem. All right. I, I, I would say that. Man, in that in that scene, though, he does connect with her, though, for a oh. brief moment. You know what I thought of, though, that we watched as well was uh, the one with Sandra Bullock and uh, the actor that you love so much. The, my best friend in my best friend's wedding. Dermot Mulroney? Yeah, the scene in my best friend's wedding where they're on the boat. That's not Sandra Bullock. Or that's not, yeah, isn't it? No, that's Cameron Diaz. No, that's... um. Julia Roberts. That's it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and they're on the boat and they go mm-hmm. under the bridge and they're talking about like how you can have this connection for a moment and then yeah. the moment can kind of pass. Yeah. That's what I thought of in that Absolutely. moment. Because she had his hand on it, the Absolutely. leg. And yeah. And they were That's right there. That's such a fucking great. That is, I think, that is the scene of the movie. Like, I think that is the crux of the movie and what works. Well, it's, the turn, it's the turning point of the whole story. It, it's it's it, what makes her fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. And Ebert had said, it turns out that women can like us for who we really are. <laughs> and it's true. Just, Despite all of his, you know, insecurities and terrible posture and balding, you know, she really does like him. He's able to express who he is. Yeah. Like he says... It's a hard grape to grow, as you know, right? It's thin skin, it's temperamental, it ripens early. It's not a survivor like the Cabernet. No, Pinot needs constant care and attention. And in fact, it can only grow in these really specific little tucked away corners of the world. And only the most patient and nurturing of growers can do it, really. Only someone who really takes the time to understand Pinot's potential can then coax it into its fullest expression, which is exactly him. You're right, yeah. Then... 
Its flavors, they're just the most haunting and brilliant and thrilling and subtle and ancient on the planet. Haunting. It's so good. That is good. Yeah. And then he asks her why she loves wine. And she has a great fucking answer, too. She says how it's a living thing. I like to think about the life of the wine. I like to think about what's going on the year the grapes were grown and how the sun was shining and if it rained. I like to think about all the people who tended and picked the grapes and if it's an old wine, how many of them must be dead by now. I like how wine continues to evolve. Like if I opened a bottle of wine today, it would taste different than if I opened it on any other day because a bottle of wine is actually alive and it's constantly evolving and gaining complexity. It's just such a... That's what made me want to drink wine. Is like those descriptions do. You're right. Yes, interesting. Yeah, and I love that, and that's why I love literature and reading for the same reason because it's alive. Mm. Because even when people have died, those ideas still live on. You know, and it's like you can learn so much about people and their insides from reading a freaking book. Mm. And it could be different when you read it when you're 20 than when you read it when you're 30. And it's but it's it still connects you to this entire human experience that has spanned hundreds of years. And, and it's so interesting to think of wine that way. I never thought about it. I didn't really understand it. And that gives it such like an interesting complexity that made me want to drink wine and then go to the hospital. But I didn't do it. I can see why that part would, yes, get people very excited about wine. I guess when I said this movie didn't make it seem all that glamorous and interesting to me, it was more when he was being kind of snobbish about it. But in that moment, I don't feel either of them were being snobbish. I mean, and I think that's the problem with snobbery. If it's snobbery for the sake of being elitist, fuck you. But if it's snobbery because you really truly fucking care about this thing, then that has a different dimension. Mm. And I try really hard not to be elitist, but I do have a high bar to a lot of the things that I consume, whether it's movies or fucking theater, because I don't have time for shitty theater. I just don't I don't enjoy it and I'm not going to waste time on it but I'm not trying to be a snob about it I'm literally looking for what I'm going to enjoy or what's the best or what's worth it Mm. to have and if your snobbery is for the sake of being just elitist then that's stupid in the in the music world I like like jammy bands fish it, it it's it's the same type of thing but the the snobbery and a lot of people are uh exclusionary with it yeah and 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 i, I feel like that, this well yeah and i feel like that that's oh you didn't try this you haven't heard this version that you can only get yeah. on a blow or tr- oh this wine that you yeah. and i guess that's where it really gets off I mean, the truest to me form is, of liking something you're gonna know a lot about it because you like it mm. And if you can express that, then great. Well, and and to me, it's how much are you bringing other people into the thing? Because if you truly love it, you want to share it. That's how I conceptualize it. But you meet these people. You don't want to keep people out of it. Exactly. And you meet people that do get very into a thing and they identify so much with that that for whatever reason, they guard it as opposed to bringing people in. And I I understand that because I do get shitty sometimes about things. Yeah. But but, I do too. But, you know, also, I 
you would want to share the thing and make right. it seem appealing and approachable. Like I, so like the guy that um, taught the wine class at UD loved wine, had hundreds and hundreds of bottles in his mm-hmm. cellar, and like that was his thing. He loved, and he would talk about how Charles Shaw was a very good wine. He was like, mm-hmm. it's not a bad wine. When you get when you drink, you can like it. And he was like, do you like that $3 bottle of wine? Then fantastic, and drink, drink it. it. If yeah. that's what you enjoy and you find and you love mm-hmm. the palate and all that, it's like, that's a guy that had it right. Yeah. And that's actually someone that even after I took the class, you know, I took, I tr- I, years later, I realized I kind of took that lesson to what we're talking about right now is, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that you can love something, you can be intense about it, but don't, try to poo poo something just because it's not the fancy version of it you know and i guess i just earlier did poo poo like man this doesn't make wine country look all that snobbish but uh but yeah but you're right that part of the movie though was kind of the turning point in Mm -hmm. it it's where we went from like okay well we paul giamatti just really started rooting for them too because we saw that there was something there. Yeah. That they could work together. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie, you're like, get your shit together, man, so that you can be with her, so that you why, can deserve that. Why did she, by the way, I think this wins the award for the cringiest kiss we've seen so far. Ooh, yeah. I mean, really that was bad. bad. But why was it because he had. Kind of rejected her a little bit earlier. Like, why didn't she go with? Why did she? Because she, I think, saw that he was really drunk. First of all, and just very sad, and just not like fully there. Mm. And they both kind of knew it. It was like, like you said, like the shadow had passed, and they, you know, were on the other side of that, and they both saw it. But it's like. This isn't working. I had seen this once before, but it was so long ago I forgot it. Me too. And, and, I, and I was concerned when that moment happened, and I thought of the other movie. I was like, oh, no. Is this going to be like this is the end of their connection? The rest of the movie is him being forlorn. So I was really <laughs> excited when they continued to yeah. pursue it. Uh, and then, of course, everything breaks down with the wedding because that's, you know, that's the real thing you know, hard stop to all of this. He's getting married Saturday. Come on. I did really feel for Paul Giamatti. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I was actively keeping information from like someone I was interested in in this manner. Yeah. But it's one of those things like I can obviously see why she is furious. Oh yeah. Very much on board with that. But it seems like later on, maybe she even did step back and realize like he was in a no win situation. Yeah. There was there was no appropriate. She still time. read his fucking exactly. Manuscript. So I'm I'm glad That's that it was huge like huge commitment. Oh my god! Yeah, because like, didn't Thomas Hayden Church said something about like uh, or he asked him about like yeah that thing on page seven hundred and something. Mm-hmm. It's like oh he had a read completely different. It's like it was exactly <laughs> the same. It's like it uh well, the rest <laughs> the rest framed it differently. Yeah. Did you know that the director is, was married to Sandra O oh at the time? No, I did not. Yeah. I like her. To the point where apparently they were playing the sex scene more goofy because they felt weird. Thomas Hayden Church especially felt weird that he's like making out with the director's wife. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah. I guess they weren't actually married when they were filming, but they got married like soon after filming ended. And then they got divorced like two years later. It's like 
they were dating for three years beforehand. What changed? It's so strange. Um, but Alexander Payne made sure he was like, no, you have to play the sex scene more sexy. Like, come on. And I don't know what happened, but also Alexander Payne, uh, he wrote this, he did election. He did Nebraska, the movie with Bruce Dern. He did about Schmidt and the one that won him his second Oscar was the descendants with George Clooney. Do you remember that set in Hawaii? I haven't seen it now. It's the movie that made Shailene Woodley a, a person. She plays George Clooney's daughter. And um, he wrote that screenplay with um, Nate Faxon. Nat, I'm sorry, Nat Faxon, who was the blonde cop in Super Troopers. You know his face with a short lip. I and do, big yeah, teeth. yeah. And Jim Rash, who was Dean in uh, community? community yeah so they the three of them won oscars <laughs> for doing the descendants <laughs> isn't that crazy that's i remember seeing them up on the stage and being like is that the dean that's cuckoo <laughs> bananas so crazy. what you're saying yeah so they won uh for best adapted screenplay and he and his longtime writing partner, Jim Oh, my Taylor, God. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah. That is the Dean. That's the Dean. Wow. Yeah. Dean Raston, I think. Thomas or uh, Alexander Payne, man. He's got a head of hair oh, on yeah. him. Good for him. Yeah. He's got a very like Ira Glass kind of vibe going on. Uh, his longtime writing partner is Jim Taylor. So they won the Academy Award for this movie for Best okay. Adapted Screenplay as well. Which was, this is the only movie that has five nominations for the Academy Award, and neither of them is in the main acting categories. It's like, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Film. But neither Best Actor or Actress. There wasn't really in this movie a Best Actress category, but Paul Giamatti not being nominated is kind of insane. You're right. Oh, yeah. And maybe it was just a stacked year. That's when uh, Clint Eastwood won for Million Dollar Baby. Oh, no, wait, no. This was the year Clint Eastwood was... Oh, did you say nominated? Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah, nominated. Oh, did I say one? I may uh, have said one. I don't know. But he it was, was nominated, but he, but he hadn't been nominated for a Golden Globe or anything. It kind of came out of nowhere. Huh. It was this year's best actors were Jamie Foxx won for <gasps> Ray, right. Don Cheadle, Hotel Rwanda, mm. Johnny Depp, Finding Neverland. Leonardo DiCaprio, Aviator, Clint Eastwood, Million Dollar Baby. That's wow. actually a pretty stacked year. But who are you taking off that Clint list? Clint Eastwood, because he hadn't been in any of the subsequent okay. nominations. It kind of came out of nowhere, his nomination. And everyone was like, really? Him? Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, Paul Giamatti was not going to win that and year. And that's when Jamie Foxx stayed up all night, went on Oprah the next day, and was like high as a kite, like, I won! Like, he was great. It was such a great, that was great. I will say one thing that Thomas Hayden Church, like, I won't say he biffed it. He did an okay job of it. But what? when he told Paul Giamatti about his ex-wife, he kind of like, yeah, he could, I don't he's know how not, he would have handled that. He's a bull with a, in a China shop. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know how he as a character would have handled that any better. Well, how else do you like, tell somebody like, Hey, I will say this. She's invited to the wedding. You have not been in this position before, but you have given me information 
in very kind, subtle ways. And I don't know if you've done it on, I assume you've done it on purpose. I mean, I try my best. Well, but I mean, like, I remember one time we were driving and literally, how do you give someone this type of information? There's not a way that isn't a gut shot. There Mm -hmm. truly isn't, you know, but like we were driving one time and it was before a, 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 a school reunion and you casually mentioned like, oh, so-and-so may be there with their husband. Mm-hmm. Like, and I took that as a subtle way of you telling me like, they're married, be ready. Mm-hmm. And then you've done that a couple times with other things. Okay. And, but the way, and, and I've always taken it as you, cause it's things that were not apropos of nothing, mm-hmm. but were like, it wasn't a big deal, but it was clear that you steered the conversation. And maybe you didn't even realize you were, di- I thought, I genuinely have always thought you, you had oh, done good. things like that. Yeah. And so there is a way to steer it in that way, but him just stopping and be like, Hey man, just so you know, like this is going to gut you, but how, but how yeah. else do you tell Paul Giamatti? Mm. He should have told him a lot sooner than like the weekend beforehand. Yeah. Like, Hey, by true. the way, your ex-wife that you're still in love with is, is going to the wedding and is going to be there married. with her husband. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she said, I'm not drinking these days, it's like, Ugh. you knew what was coming. Oh, well, and, and, well, and if you watch that scene, she was doing the yeah. belly hold thing. She plays that character. She's unfortunately been typecast because she is Walter White's ex-wife in Breaking Bad. Oh, you're right. She's with. Wow. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Black now. Mm-hmm. And she just plays that role. As black and white make gray. Yeah. Gray matter. I don't know. I that scene, that scene, I felt because I've I have been side blinded by a couple guy friends with mm. information where I don't. Looking back, I think it's that not that they were incapable of tact; mm-hmm. they did not care enough to handle it with mm. tact. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how I take Thomas Hayden Church in this. Also, is that <laughs> yeah. he did not. He was both he incapable. See beyond himself. Yeah, he was both incapable of doing it, but he also mm-hmm. had no incentive. You know to. Yeah. Uh, to do it. And I can't say this though. Paul Giamatti gets real drunk and calls his ex-wife. Yeah. I, I can proudly say I have never done this. I have never oh, really? drunkenly I have. texted. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. How bad was it? Uh, Well, I had broken up with him and then I would like call him drunk. Oh, more know. than once? Yeah, like probably four or five times. What would you say? I don't know. I was really drunk, but it was like, How did you know you called him? Were you still on talking terms? Not really. Really? (laughs) So wait, how do you even know you called him? You check your call log and be like, oh no? I never blacked out, but I don't remember a lot of what I said. It was just like, hey, I'm in bed now. How are you? What are you doing? So it was more yeah. just like you wanted someone to kind of touch base with. Yeah. Okay. Check in. You know. And you broke up with him? Yeah. And I was like, I have to fucking stop doing this. Sarah, yeah, dude. I'm going to be honest with you. It was you not just told, good. You just told me one of the most gut-wrenching things I've yeah. ever heard. It was a bad move. No, and, and, and I'm not... It was not the right thing to do. <laughs> at if, all. Yeah. So I have actually stopped drinking after a bad breakup mm. or it just after a like i can't talk to you anymore period mm. because i'm like i i don't want to possibly do this mm. and i've and i've never done it 
I don't think I've never, I've had, there's one story, but that will get about me showing that there's a whole big grand gesture story, which I don't count underneath that and under that, but I've never sent no matter how much I've wanted to, I've never sent a text. I've never sent Hmm. an email. I've never sent an angry phone call. I've never called. I've, I've been very good at like, that's good. I, I guess Mm -hmm. you sometimes wonder in the back of your head where, you go like, would it be good to get some of that, like, <laughs> get that out in some way? You know, like, I'm not going to call you sober and tell you you were really mean to me. <laughs> but you, and you know what? But it would take away my dignity is kind of yeah. the way I look at it. Like, I might and feel it would good give in that them moment. power to show, like. That they have that kind of control yeah. over you. So I've, but I'm, I'm proud of that, that I've, I will that at least, good. I will toot my own horn about that, that I'm, I've had good self-control. Yeah. Um. I've not had to go so far as to take numbers off my phone either. Mm. I've almost gotten that close a couple of times where I'm like, ah, you're still thinking about it. You need your gun out drink intake, but I haven't. And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to kind of toot my own uh, horn about that. That's good. This movie really, really touched Justin in a spot where he's at in his life right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wrote in probably halfway through this movie, like, am I dangerously close to becoming Paul Giamatti? Not the alcoholic or or drinking problem. Right. But I just mean the like this guy that is just not not hanging super great on something. Or you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I identified with him a lot more than I want to admit. Well And I don't know if that's just a He ge- blew up his life. Yeah. It comes in some point. What did, why did him and his ex-wife and he, he cheated break on her? Was that okay? Was that established? Yeah, okay. they say it about two oh, thirds, wow. three fourths of the way through. Okay, and he cheated on her. He blew it up. If it was out of fear, if it was out of drunkenness, I don't know. But yeah, that's what forced her to end things and move on. And um. You know, you haven't done that. <laughs> I haven't done that. Yeah, no, you're Number right. Number one, you haven't done that. Which is good. Number two, you don't have, like, this drinking problem that he clearly has. Number three, you are much more secure financially than him. You know, you have a an independent wealth... <laughs> That he struggles, yeah. you know, you're not stealing money I, from your I'm mom's more, I guess dresser. I'm more talking in the, the, the... You have a better relationship with your mom. Yeah, I guess I just more mean, this is a character that's pretty deep in a hole and like can't oh, seem to sure like, is. can't seem to get things to get. I, I just saw a lot of things that he did and I understood them in a way that like, I didn't like that I understood them. Yeah. You know, and like the 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 lonesomeness and all that mm-hmm. there were just parts of this that really really touched off to me too and like when he calls his ex-wife and it's just like you could tell that dude just really wanted to talk to that woman yeah he didn't he he didn't set out to be mean he just wanted to talk to this woman mm-hmm. i can right now name someone i would love to call. you know, i would love to make these phone you know in the same way that i look around i'm like i guess that's maybe that's why this movie really touched me is that i could see a lot of where this character is coming from and like you say i haven't blown up in my life i don't have this financial you know burden over mm-hmm. my head that he does but i could still identify to like 
what was going what was going on with the character on top of all these moments that I could almost feel the scene like we talked about the cool yeah. breeze the stiff sheets the like I felt like I was stepping into this and again <laughs> at the wedding when he's talking to his ex-wife the acting that he did there oh, like re- so it was like I f- I felt like I was watching a camera on my face it, you know at some point you know like I know yeah. that I've had that interaction and to see For like sure. this pain and I don't and I loved it about this movie. But I think that's why this movie is so successful because so many people can commiserate with his feelings. Yeah. You know, and his self um, destruction in a way or self wallowing. <laughs> well, and he's a guy that want, I think wants to be better and wants to yeah, be successful. but doesn't know necessarily how to get out of it. You don't just fall into writing a 700 page book by <laughs> accident. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I just, I feel for this character so much too because I see, I see a character that felt like he had it all and, and that now it's all just gone like smoke between his fingertips and is now gone mm-hmm. type of thing and i just i really in him but sitting I think the yeah. takeaway from this movie and what is hard for people especially people in ruts not necessarily you but like men and women who are wallowing or who are stuck is that oftentimes you're stuck because you're afraid of what that next move is or afraid of what you're if you've made mistakes in the past what if this is another mistake and it feels like it's the wrong thing to make a commitment or it's the wrong thing or how do I know this move is the right one and I think that's what he struggles with with Maya she's great he's probably been in love with her for quite a while he knew her entire life story when Jack points her out, but he's unwilling to move forward. He hadn't even considered it until Jack starts shoving him in that direction. And it really took Jack's, you know, fairly egomaniacal imaginations to force him in that direction. But he did, and he eventually realized, thank goodness, And he was incredibly lucky that she was very, you know, actually interested in him and read his fucking manuscript, but that he had to make a leap. He had to make a commitment. It's like, it feels like the wrong thing most of the time to make a hard decision. But I feel like so much of life and so much of happiness is making that decision and following it. Because when you don't, you're stuck in this limbo. And in the limbo, it's great because everything's possible and anything's possible, but nothing actually happens. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely does. So it's like... I think you just have to... Sum you up have the, to fucking do it. I think you just summed up the point of this movie really succinctly. Yeah. I mean, like, that was actually pretty marvelous to watch you work through. Oh, good. Like, I think... Yeah. I think you really put a fine point on it. Because it's... It doesn't... It feel right. But it's like... 
you gotta, if you want to move forward in life, you gotta, you gotta make a decision, you gotta do something, you know, yeah, it may be wrong, but then you're just off on another trail, you make another decision, this, the indecision is what keeps you stuck, stuck, as an eighth grade English teacher, which I take a little bit of offense to, because... <laughs> he's like they shouldn't be reading this other shit they should be reading your work it's like no eighth grader is gonna read his work first of all hand an eighth grader a 700 page book <laughs> yeah. and just watch him glaze over buddy yeah. his book also his description of it Ooh. His description of it made it sound like it was much more of a rough draft than it was. Yeah, that's what I took out of the yeah. description. Then he hands her this big manuscript. I'm mm-hmm. like, how are you? and you can shop around a book in that rough form? Like, yeah. okay, like, but apparently it worked. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see what it's all about. I'm also intensely <laughs> curious of what that book yeah. was because you would think if you were an author writing a book about an author writing a book, you You'd would probably it structure out. it in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a thing that we should start doing when we're just out and about once COVID goes away or whatever mm-hmm. and life goes back to normal is one of us, if we're just out of the bar, like casually mentioned to someone like, oh, she's writing a book. Oh, he's mm-hmm. writing a book. We need to start brainstorming what each other's books would be that we're shopping mm-hmm. around. Like, oh, no, she's got a couple publishers interested. Mm. I see. But they both have to be fiction because it it, it oh, yeah. has to be fiction. Well, because if you said nonfiction, then they could quiz you about the subject and fact check you. Oh, and then yeah. all of a sudden it becomes less fun. That's true. So mm. that's something we may have to brainstorm in future episodes or, <laughs> or something. So let's dive into, though. Is this a romantic comedy? I'm going to be real honest with you. I know where I'm falling on this, <laughs> and I think this is only going to support me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, meet cute. We don't see their actual meeting, the but meet we do cute get is between her and Jack, really Maya and Jack, because he sees her. He's like, "Look at her," and Paul Giamatti is immediately a f- like kind of defensive about her. She's. She, you wouldn't like her. She's married anyway. Whatever. He's like, she's gorgeous. And luckily, Jack pivots to like, oh, she's good for you. You know? Mm. And in a way, he kind of makes him see her as viable. Yeah. He but puts, he there's some immediacy there. Yeah. But he already knew her. Um, they can't be together slash conflict. Well, first, he thinks she's married, but then he finds out she's divorced. And then it's really just him, yeah, getting in the way, yeah, <laughs> like of himself. Yeah, they they have an awkward almost kiss that then turns into them being, I guess, as much dating as you can be in a day or two. And then yeah. she gets mad at him for not telling. He him actually about... calls her. Thank goodness. And then they go on that like picnic date. Yeah, and then they end up. Yeah, he lied to her. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti is getting in his own way of why they can't be together. Basically, yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, the soundtrack. It has some songs on it, but it also has fifteen jazz instrumentals that were written for this movie. I'm in love with that. Yeah, well, a movie about wine is mm-hmm. is largely jazz, jazz interstitial. <laughs> Not interstitial, instrumentals. Fifteen different tracks, and they were so popular. Apparently, 
that um, people were asking for them to take a national tour. No. Yeah. The guy who wrote them was Rolf Kent, but he said he was too busy with other stuff. That actually sounds like something that I could see playing at the Southern Theater. Yeah, I could see that. A Night of Sideways. I just hope you would stand up at the front whacking the stage. You better believe. (laughs) (laughs) I did that one time, and it's because, in my defense, I thought it was a one, like, no intermission show, so I got after it. Turns out it was an intermission with a second half. (laughs) And Bella Fleck kept winking at me i'm like hell yeah i'll whack the stage i'll whack the hell out of that stage (laughs) yes it was incredibly popular in the movie the music did if you're gonna have jazz instrumentals Mm -hmm. like this is the movie for it yeah for sure jazz and wine yeah come on so the movie fit perfectly and if we're talking about another thing that fit perfectly that had it had to be in wine country yeah, you can't have it yeah. anywhere else. This couldn't be a guy that loves wine and we're going around Chicago to taste Although, wines. honestly, you could have it in northern Michigan. I mean, I couldn't believe how similar everything was. It was incredibly similar. It it had to be in but, some, like... And, and it couldn't be, like you were saying, in the touristy, you know, yeah. Napa area. It it yeah. had to be in the more gritty... Yeah. To fit with also Paul Giamatti's kind of like, I don't know, renegade wine mm-hmm. snob thing. Yeah, like, I'm going to find the best wines. I'm not about fancy. I'm about authentic. Exactly. So it, it ha- this had to be... Yeah. And I guess, yeah, like you're saying, so that it could was, be Michigan. That was good. The, yeah, the location yeah. was integral. But I agree. I think California fits much better. And it's much yeah. more known. Paul Giamatti is a, a very California loser. He's not a Michigan loser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it would fit. Um, montage, do we have? Any? Yes, we do. I wrote it down. There's a montage of them tasting wines, and it shows the winemaking process as they go vineyard to vineyard. So there is, in fact, a, a yeah, montage. Yeah, I kind of remember that. We didn't necessarily get a sassy side friend, but we do have... Two couples, one of which is the center, and the other two are chuckleheads doing stupid stuff, basically. Riding on motorcycles. Yeah. Introducing a guy to your kid two days after you met him and your mom. Yeah. Can we talk about that armband jewelry she had, too? Do you have feelings about that? Was it up here on the bicep? Yeah, it was. Yeah, do we like that? I don't know. She can pull it (laughs) off, though. Sandra O looks amazing. Yeah, she does. Have you watched Killing Eve? No. Is it worth watching? Oh, my God. Yes. They even referenced it on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's how good it is. Okay. Oh, my God. It's so good. I'll give it a shot. The first season especially but the first two seasons are so I have six, and she is amazing i have six more seasons of x-files to make it through first oh well, that'll only take you two weeks yeah um because i don't have much else to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i think thomas hayden church does do a really good job of grounding him and he has a few back to reality speeches that are very like get your shit together be fun. He, he he does give him good advice, though the motivation behind that advice we've talked about may be self-serving. But it yeah. but there is truth there. Like you're saying, like don't go to the dark place because that he knows that's where he's going to go. Mm-hmm. I will say the even when he's talking to him about. His writing, and he's like, I'm not a writer. I'm a middle school English teacher. The world doesn't give a shit about what I have to say, and. <laughs> 
Jack says, what about the guy who wrote Confederacy of Dunces? He committed suicide before he was published. And look how famous he is. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing. This movie has a ton of comedy in it. And it has... I l- laughed maybe the hardest I've laughed at any of these movies. It had one line that just caught me the right way. And it's after Thomas Hayden Church gets uh, uh, hit with the Sandra O oh beats him up mm. and he's driving to the hospital and he has a rag placed over his fi- like his nose and his face yeah. and it's all bloody. And Paul Giamatti and him are arguing whatever. And Paul Giamatti just calmly tells him, well, okay, just ah, try to keep it elevated. <laughs> <laughs> and That's good. There was something about his delivery that I, I, <laughs> I had to put my sandwich down because I was cackling oh, at like that. It's like the least you could do. Well, it's also like, it's your face. How much more can you... It's already elevated here, buddy. Oh, and the other funny part of this movie that we didn't talk about very briefly, when Paul Giamatti had to go get Thomas Hayden Church's wallet. Oh, my God. And the guy is running after him with his wiener flapping everywhere. Two naked men in this. Because when Thomas Hayden Church comes home, totally naked. A lot of butt. But a lot of butt. But this other guy, this we see full, full wiener. Yeah. yeah. And then it they presses against the car. They street to do that. Really? And tell all the neighbors to stay inside. Because of the naked man. And then he's running, running after the car the too, with the wiener. <laughs> and I will say this. I think of all my friends, if I had to have one that would go into a house and get a wallet for me, mm-hmm. I think your husband would be the guy to do it. Be- oh, really? Be- of gra- everyone? Begrudgingly, but I think Brian would, he would make it happen. Oh my God. He would begrudge it. It would be like 10 minutes of sighing and, and like people talking about it. And then all of a sudden it would just be like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. We just, we got to get this wallet. Oh my God. Yeah. That's. <laughs> Apparently that was a meth house that had been seized by the police and uh, they're like, don't change anything. This is perfect. That's yeah. No, that's delightful. All right. So we've got a lot of comedy oh, in this. God, the naked people. I guess Thomas Hayden Church, uh, in his um, audition, got completely nude, and they're like, "You were the only one to do that," and he got the role. <laughs> so so what you're telling me is, if he's successful, you just have to be nude. Yeah, and George Clooney had applied, but uh, for actually for Paul Giamatti's role. They're like, it's just oh, not no. right for He's you. not sad. Yeah, you need to look. F- yeah. He's too handsome Love, for that. I was going to say frumpy, but the way you put it's better. You need a, I was going to say you need a frumpy gentleman. <laughs> but He's too handsome. So they put him in The Descendants. And I guess the last movie that they had done, Thomas Hayden Church had auditioned for, and they were like, they're not right for this, but we'll keep you in mind for the next one. So they put him in this. And I guess Brad Pitt and... Uh, Somebody else big had auditioned for hmm. his role, but he got it. Gee, it wouldn't, again, it wouldn't work. You couldn't believe Brad yeah. Pitt is a D-lister. It just wouldn't yeah. have worked. Yeah. He would have stole Paul Giamatti's thunder. No, they cast this perfectly. It was great. It was right. In the, and they yeah. all looked like, we've talked about this before, some of the best romantic comedies. They look like real, normal people. You could yes. walk down the street. I could walk into a Kroger, and Absolutely. if I saw Paul Giamatti buying a pizza, yeah. I would believe Paul Giamatti's in my Kroger buying a frozen pizza. Yeah. You know. Sandra O oh totally pulls off. Yeah. Poor girl. Virginia Madsen looks like yeah. you know, a divorced older, you know, thirties person going back to school. Yeah. It's like very sweet and 
willing to take a chance on someone like Paul Giamatti. Somehow it all It's great works. Yeah. What else do we have? Do we have anything else? Um Runtime, we're at like a little over two hours. It's a little, a little long. long. It's a, but it doesn't. Yeah. But it doesn't. I don't think feel long. I think no, it flows pretty well. I think they do a really good job. I wasn't checking the clock at any point. Um, I don't know of any cameos other than what I just told you about the writer. I wouldn't be shocked. Novel. In that, I'd count that. I wouldn't be shocked if there's something weird like, oh, this is vineyard owner, right, John. Tea mm-hmm. grape. There's not a ton of joie de vivre, but there's a good amount I'd of say there's like a lot zany. Of, there's levity in this movie, I think. Like when they're at the golf course and they're just there. Though again, the balls yeah, are getting whacked at him. That's humor, or... but I don't know if that's levity. I thought it was pretty light. Yeah, I don't know. I I love him sitting in the hot tub trying to grade papers. Did in you the feel middle that? of the day. Did you feel that as a Yeah, t- <laughs> but also like, don't go in the hot tub in the middle of the day. It's a bold choice. Ugh. It's a bold choice. Ugh. I support it. And trying in the hot sweatiness, trying yeah. to grade. No, thank yeah. you. Um, the subgenre Get, is, is kind of an escape. I was going to say getaway escape. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely say that. Yeah, because they're both. Paul, Thomas Hayden Church is 100% getting away from his normal yeah. life. And that's what jars Paul Giamatti out of his rut is that yeah. he does get away. Oh, absolutely. It is a different, you know, yeah. place yeah. for them. A real world advice. You you ran through it. Just the, you yeah. just ran through it a little bit ago. The point of the movie. And I think it's I thought you put it wonderfully succinct. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I've learned. I've learned a lot here today. Oh, well, good. Um, I don't know. I guess in the this there's a sequel to the book, and Alexander Payne was like, "No, I'm not interested in making that movie." No. But it. I can't remember. It was really cheesy. It's like it goes into. Yeah. Like a weird storyline. They go back up to wine country. They're together now. And, I'd have no interest in yeah. seeing that. This is like, no. Paul Giamatti's story is like a sad, a sad guy that kind of tries to break out of it, yeah, and, and grow a little bit. You know, take a chance. Like I, I, I'm happy with that. I'm yeah. glad seeing that and with that op- kind Very of well open grounded. Yeah. So then, if this, you know, one to ten, like, where do you think this falls as a romantic comedy? Do you think it is? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's just an adult romantic comedy, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. It, it deals is. with a mature know. adult, someone in their like late thirties, forties. Yeah, yeah. Identify like, with you it. don't get that usually. That's more of Nora Ephron's territory. And it does deal with some pretty serious uh, shit. Yeah, some pretty serious ideas of like feeling like a failure later in life yeah. and making mistakes and how do you reconcile those? And yeah. what does it look like with all these? Like life isn't entirely pretty. This guy probably drinks too much. And, yeah. you, know, you you have friends that maybe aren't the right kind of supportive. Yeah. Like what do you do? I'm, I honestly, I would say one out of 10. I'm calling this a nine. I really think this is a romantic comedy. And I think it's a great one. I think yeah. it hits just about all of our check. And I don't even know. I might, you know what? I'm going to call, I can't think of a reason not to call it a 10. I'm calling this a 10. This is a romantic <laughs> comedy to me. I would show an yeah. alien this movie as a romantic comedy and say, Sideways is... is a romantic comedy. An, ad- yeah. an adult romantic comedy, albeit, but a, a definitely a romantic comedy. Yeah, 
I agree. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> we did it, Sarah. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Um, the only thing I feel like I should maybe mention is yes. that Rose McGowan did call Alexander Payne out as apparently having sex with her when she was 15. Oh. And she had said it in an interview saying there's a well-known director, Academy Award nominated, who worked with my rapist who was Harvey Weinstein in the past. And he had sex with me when I was 15. And I, it wasn't rape, but I didn't know what I was doing, basically. You're taking advantage And of. came to his house. And he showed me like some softcore porn that he had um, filmed under a pseudonym when he worked for Showtime in his early career and then had sex with me and then basically like left me on the corner. And he wrote back saying we had a consensual relationship, but I met you when you were over 18 and I'm not out to, um, discredit people and their experiences, but I feel I need to correct something, even though it was 30 years ago or whatever. And I wish her the best. So that's all it ever came to. Who knows what happened? But it is an interesting wrinkle to all of this that she had a very clear and specific memory that she had said in an interview. And then when she outed him as the person she was speaking about in the interview, she had the same details and he did have that backstory. So who knows? But he divorced, he and Sandra O divorced in 2006 he was on vacation or working in Greece and a few years later and met a woman, a Greek woman, and they got married in 2015. None of them has ever had any kids. So there you go. <laughs> That's a lot. To yeah. Know what to make of that exactly. I don't but, either. Yeah. But there you go. Well. Ta-da. <laughs> Jim Rash won an Oscar. Dean. Dean Pelton. Dean Pelton. That's who it is. I enjoyed. <laughs> I, I, I can get to just say I do. I enjoyed this movie Dean, before Dean, I heard all Dean, of that. Dean. <laughs> Dean. Dean. <laughs> Dean. <laughs> all right. Shoot us an email. Romcom, come to you, tcom at gmail.com. Yeah. If you have any thoughts about, is Paul Giamatti an alcoholic or does he just have a drinking problem and <laughs> is there a difference? What's the difference between alcoholism and a drinking problem? Again, for me, it's <laughs> one, one I'm okay saying I've had. The other one I don't Not like sure. to say. Um, and then how about our intro and outro music? It's so good and goes down smooth, just it like does. a fine Pinot. Noir. Noir fiction. Noir. I was going to say Grigio. But that's Grigio. Grigio. Oh, Grigio. But our intro and outro song is Love, Love off the album <laughs> the, the Keys to, to Cat, Cat Heaven, Heaven by This, this is, is My suitcase. suitcase. That was a fun cadence. This is my, my suitcase. This is my suitcase. That's <laughs> This the is my one. suitcase. <laughs> This is my suitcase. Oh my god! What if that's how it was supposed to be said yeah. in a very jerky fashion? Yeah. Suitcase. This either is way, mine. Either way, check them out. They're great, and uh, I did enjoy this movie. It made me a little sad, but in a good way. Yeah. You know, I had yeah. fun, Sarah. He gets the girl in the end. Good for him. He figures it out. Isn't that what we're all hoping Second for? Second chances. 
beautiful time. Take them when you can get them. That's right. Bye. We gotta, that's next weekend. That's is it? The, the, that's Wait, sun, it is? That's tomorrow.